welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and if you have a femtech idea or early stage startup, be sure to apply for the Guild Academy Femtech Edition, which is the first virtual femtech accelerator where we are bringing together the biggest names in women's health and wellness, including investors, doctors, successful femtech founders. You got to apply though. Applications close this Friday, literally five days. Luckily, it's an easy application, so, but you got to do it. It closes on Friday. You can apply at letsguildacademy.com backslash femtech. Alrighty, so in today's episode, I interview Kira Kotler, founder and CEO of Everviolet. Kira was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 40, and following surgery, Kira was shocked to discover one of her greatest challenges was actually finding a comfortable and beautiful garment to wear throughout the healing process. After six months and over 200 bras, she began talking to other survivors and their shopping experiences and discovered that she was not alone. Everviolet is an intimate apparel and loungewear collection designed to nurture a woman's body and sense of self following treatment for breast cancer and other meaningful life events, including other types of cancers, surgeries, post-pregnancy, menopause, and even puberty. You can check out her super innovative lingerie at everviolet.com, and I know you're going to enjoy your story, so enjoy. Hey, Kira, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am very excited for us to have another lingerie episode. (laughs) Um, The first one we had, I learned so much about breasts. I was like, wow, okay, we got we got to do the more more lingerie and you have a very unique and meaningful, um, you know, angle. So I'm really excited to hear about your company. But, you know, our guests, they love to, uh, or not our guests, our listeners love to learn more about our guests. So why don't you tell us more about your background, where you're from, what did you do first, and then how did you end up in in lingerie? (laughs) Yeah, it was not not the most direct path. Um, uh, So I'm originally from the East Coast. I grew up in Boston, and I got my undergraduate degree in New York, and I lived in New York for many years. And then in my 20s, I kind of meandered west and found myself in San Francisco, and that's where I've been ever since. Career-wise, it's been an interesting path. I started off in marketing and branding and communications. And so in my 20s, right when I got to San Francisco, actually, it was sort of the end of the dot-com boom. And um, my job was to help bricks-and-mortar retail companies kind of bring their bring their businesses online in a way that felt really fluid and seamless. Mm. Um, so it was a really fun time to be in the branding world. And then I also have a background as a fine artist. I'm a photographer and a painter, and I got my master's in painting here at the San Francisco Art oh. Institute. 
Love yeah. it. Yeah, you know, we have so many doctors and scientists on the show. I, I love Femtech is a space where people from literally every walk of life can be a leader in. You know, it's right. not just, you know, when you when you go to the medical device, you know, area, it's pretty much all doctors, scientists, you know, but Femtech is just so diverse. I love that. I love it. If you're a painter, welcome. You're a leader, you know, <laughs> you can do it. Painter turned bra designer, you know. Yes. <laughs> so what happened? What happened next? So um, let's see. So I was, you know, thriving, enjoying my career, enjoying life, and then I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and you know, with no family history or risk factors, it just came out of the blue. Oh, May I ask um, what? How old you were? I was forty. 40. Yeah. It was wow. 40. It was a routine mammogram. Um, my first and wow. there it was. Wow. So yeah, very shocking, very surprising, but thankfully I'm one of the lucky ones and it was still early stage when yeah. they found it. Um, so, but I did undergo a double mastectomy followed by reconstructive surgery. Um, and because I went aggressive with the surgery, I didn't need any further treatment. But then, much to my surprise, I found that getting dressed in the morning became one of the biggest challenges. Mm. So I tell people that I tried on over 200 bras in a six-month period, and I'm not exaggerating. Um, nothing worked. Wow. Why? You know, the pieces that I used to wear, the pretty ones, you know, the more fashionable ones, feminine ones, they, they just no longer fit, mm -hmm. or they cause pain or discomfort. And then oh. the ones that are designed for post-surgery they're synthetic, they're scratchy, they're ugly. It was, it almost felt like adding insult to injury. Uh -huh, yeah. So, you know, I suffered in silence for a long time, but then as I started speaking with other women, I'm part of an amazing community of um, women who were diagnosed before the age of 45, all based in the Bay Area. And I just started chatting with them and I learned that this is such a universal issue and that not only for those who were newly diagnosed, but people who were 10, 20, 30 year survivors. Mm -hmm. And that the inability to, to get dressed every day and just go out into the world without pain or a reminder of what you've just been through yeah. is sort of like a real barrier to full healing on emotional and psychological levels. And so once I realized that, I knew I wanted to do something to solve the problem. And so I call this my pay my good prognosis forward mission to Aww. support them. That's amazing. <laughs> and so women like decades after the surgery can still have pain with regular bras. Yeah. So there's a, oftentimes there's ongoing sensitivity around incision sites. Oh. There can be um, nerve damage that's permanent. Um, there's always a risk for lymphedema, which is the swelling of the lymphatic system. And that, that comes about when you've had lymph nodes removed and almost everyone who has breast surgery will have at least one lymph node removed just to detect whether it's spread past the breast itself. Oh, okay. So that's a lifetime risk. And so anything that compresses really deeply under the arm, you know, can pose a risk for that. So there's oh all God. sorts of things. I didn't know that was, there was a risk of wearing a bra for yeah. breast cancer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you can be, you can be cruising along for, for decades and then all of a sudden it can appear. I mean, I think it's less likely the farther out you go, yeah. but it's wow. still there. So. so what is your yeah. solution? Tell us about your early prognosis, giving back. 
<laughs> company. So Ever Violet is a lingerie and lounger collection, and it consists of garments for all stages of healing, from immediately post-operative to the years beyond. And they're all made with incredibly soft, sustainable jersey that stretches and adapts to the body. Um, they're cut in ways to avoid lymphedema or to avoid sensitive areas. And they're really meant to escort a woman through all stages of healing. Wow. Uh, we also have lingerie, we have, um, sorry, we have loungewear and, um, you know, hospital gowns. And we're going to eventually get into some athletic garments, swimwear, sleepwear, Oh my gosh, amazing. And they're beautiful. Like, I want to order you. some. I'm like, <laughs> like, they are well, so pretty. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what we're all about. It's it's sort of taking comfort first, mm -hmm. then adding in functionality and beauty so that we don't have to feel like we're wearing breast cancer bras. We're wearing just beautiful lingerie and really anyone can wear them. They're just they're just designed with the needs of breast cancer thrivers in mind. So Yeah. And um how long ago did you start it? was founded at the end of 2018. 18, wow. And yeah. um, what have women been telling you that have been purchasing your bras and oh, the lingerie so, in general? It's, yeah, it's the best. That's the best part. I mean, I've had women, well, pre-COVID, we had a lot of fittings in our headquarters and I would just offer that service to women mm. just so that they could kind of try things on and with privacy. And so many would come out with tears in their eyes, just mm. saying how pretty they felt, how comfortable they felt, that they felt female again, feminine again. Um, you know, it's it's about kind of renewing that sense of self as a woman after you've gone through such a great loss. Yeah. And it's true, even if you haven't had a mastectomy, even when you've had a lumpectomy, partial mastectomy, you know, you're still changed. Your body looks different. And there's a real process that we all have to go through to sort of reacquaint and reaccept our new form and process everything that we've been through. Yeah. And on your website, you also sell panties. And so is yeah. that just because, you know, women deserve to have a one-stop shop or does that have something to do with recovering from breast cancer as well? Yeah, no, the panties don't necessarily have anything to do with recovering from breast cancer, except that when I did, I spent about a year and a half doing market research and chatting with women and listening Such to Such a good marketer. Look at you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I did a really fun focus groups. Um, and, you know, a lot of women said they wanted matching sets and they mm. wanted to feel cute. But what's interesting is that now that we're about a year and a half old, we have a lot of other women coming to us for issues outside of the breast cancer space. So our panties are good for women who've had like pelvic surgeries, hysterectomies, cesareans, et cetera. So we're really starting to expand into other medical categories and these very same pieces work for those as well. Yeah. Can you actually tell us more about that? What are other illnesses or phases of life or surgeries that affect a woman's comfort level in her lingerie? Yeah. I mean, it's been really interesting to learn about this because I didn't know anything about it going in, but there's a lot of other upper body surgeries like thoracic and heart surgeries for which women need a front closure bra, you know, any sort of, any sort of situation where your arm mobility is limited and you either need to fasten something in the front or pull something up over your hips. Our bras are designed with that functionality in mind. Mm -hmm. um, I'm often finding there's a lot of women who 
post-pregnancy, post-lactation, they just want to be comfortable. They don't want underwires anymore, mm. but they still want to feel pretty. There's also a lot of women who are going through menopause whose bodies have changed, things have sort of rearranged, and these are comfortable for them. And again, like I said, you know, cesarean section, pelvic surgeries. Wow. I even have some customers who've had strokes. Um, so there's there's so many, there's so many ways that we need adaptive lingerie. And so we're really trying to be a leader in that space. Oh my goodness. And so your bra, does it connect anywhere or is it totally in one piece or does it have a snap somewhere? Um, they're all one piece. Uh, we have one that will sort of hook and eye close in the front. Oh, hook and eye. We have some bralettes that you can pull on over your hips or once you've recovered, you can pull it on over your oh. head. And then we have others that are more traditional and they fasten in the back. So it's really just depending on what you need and what time of mm. what, what time in, in your recovery it is. Um, they all also have internal pockets. So one thing I didn't know is how many women following breast cancer surgery either are not able to or don't want to reconstruct um, once when you go through radiation treatment, oftentimes that is so damaging to the tissue that the skin is no, not strong enough to support an implant. So, and now there are a lot of women who are just electing to be flat. So yeah. we have garments for that. Um, and, and they all have pockets. So if you want to stay flat, that's great. If you want to put a breast mound in or a little pad for discretion, we can, you can do that too. Oh, wow. So where do they buy a, the like prosthetic breast? You know, is that, are there websites, is there companies out there for that? <laughs> yeah, there are. There are companies out there. Nordstrom does a great service. They have um, free fittings available. Um, there's also what's called specialty, specialty fitters. They're sort of certified in mastectomy fittings and they often carry prosthetics. We don't sell the prosthetics because there's just so many di different shapes and sizes yeah. and preferences. It would be hard to manage that inventory, mm -hmm. but all of our pieces do come with little shaper pads just because for me, discretion was a big thing. I wanted to be able to go to a yoga class or go, mm. you know, go for a hike and not have, not feel like I was sort of wearing my, <laughs> my illness on me. I wanted to kind of yeah. have some privacy there. So, so all of them will come with two shaper wow. pads for that. You know, and it's crazy that, um, you know, women have probably been told like, wow, you should feel so good and so happy you've survived cancer but there continues to be this chronic reminder because she's not comfortable in her clothing, you know, and every morning when she's getting dressed or undressed at the end of the day, there's this reminder of her body not being the same. Um, and I, I just can't, you know, was there people before you that have been addressing this or like, you know, is this a new realization that we should provide comfort <laughs> to these women? <laughs> I mean, there, there are a few other people in this space. Um, you know, I can think of one that, that sort of approaches it in a similar way, but, you know, all of our functionality is different and I'm excited to say that our designs are patent pending and, um, you know, it's, it's just what you said. It's a feeling, it's really the difference between feeling like a, a patient and a person mm -hmm. and, and that's huge. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you can't, you know, it's, it's not to say that you don't just go back to normal after you've gone through something as traumatic as a cancer diagnosis, but there are other parts of you that you want to celebrate and you want to be able to pay attention to without this constant reminder. So it is, it's, and it's, that's how deeply it goes. And that's why I feel so strongly about this. Yeah. Yeah. 
How long do your bras last? We had an, another bra episode here with Misfits, and we talked about the unicorn bra, like the one you find and it fits and you just wear it every day forever yeah. <laughs> until you're like, okay, seriously, you got to get a new one. Um, how long do your bras, uh, bras last? They last a long time. In fact, I've been told that's one of one of our flaws is that they're made too well. <laughs> they're too high quality, but you know, it's sort of part of our sustainability promise. Mm. We, you know, are we use really beautiful fabric and they're essentially handmade in a Los Angeles factory. Oh, wow. And so they might cost a little bit more than your average bra, but they do last. And the last thing I wanted to do as a founder of an apparel brand was do anything that was going to contribute to the environment in a negative way. And mm. I learned very quickly that apparel is one of the most toxic environments. Yeah. So everything we do, we do small batch production. We let things run out. Then we'll produce more. We don't have a ton of inventory because we just don't want it to go to waste. Mm -hmm. So that's just all part of our value. So um, I, I guess I'm okay with them lasting a long time. For that <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> um Actually, you just brought up a, something I want to talk about in terms of the price. You know, you're a little bit more expensive, but it's because you're you're conscious. You're a conscious um, femtech founder who's making choices for on the environment's sake, and um, so I think a lot of people are willing to pay a little bit more for something that's actually comfortable and good for the world. But I noticed on your website, you said there's actually potential for the insurance to cover part of the fee for the bra, and it was. The U.S. Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act of 1998. Yep. I I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to find out what this is. Tell me about that. What is that? <laughs> yeah, so the U.S. Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act, um, it was a law passed in 1998, which federally mandates insurance companies, that's both group and individual policies, to be responsible for reconstruction following a mastectomy. And so what that really means is that insurance has to pay for all stages of, re of reconstruction. Um, they also have to pay for, if you've only had a single mastectomy, they need to pay for surgery and reconstruction on the other side so that you look asymmetrical, sorry, that you look symmetrical. Yeah. Um, and they're also required to pay for bras, prostheses, and any treatments that come from uh, mastectomies, including lymphedema, which is what I described earlier. So. This means that if you decide not to reconstruct or you aren't able to reconstruct, it means that for the lifetime, for the rest of your life, you're entitled to a certain amount of bras and prosthetics per year. And so we can't accept that insurance directly. We're not able to do that. Mm -hmm. We're not allowed to do that. But our customers all very often file claims with their plans and then they get reimbursed for part of the cost. So. That was part of the pricing structure is that on average, insurance companies tend to pay, it's hard to know because every plan is so different, but sort of on average between like $28 and $38 per bra. So that means you can get into our kind of post-operative piece for just $20. Wow. And that was, that was the goal from a pricing standpoint. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do women know about this? Like, I've never heard of this. Like, are women told? I, I didn't either <laughs> until I went through it. And I, even between my, my mastectomy and my reconstruction, I was entitled to bras. So um, that's how I learned about it. My surgeon told me about it. You know, that's why we're trying to educate people on our site. And we, we do through our blog, we try and provide resources like this to sort of educate our, our community around these things. But 
I'm not sure that the medical world is sharing this as much as, mm -hmm. as they could, or maybe, you know, hopefully they're getting better. Yeah. So, and with the, um, you know, Obamacare, did that change this at all? Or is that still available? No. Yeah. It didn't change a thing. Good. good. Obama, so. he's really good to breasts oh, and women's health. He's really good. I know. <laughs> God, I miss him. Um, I miss him too. And I miss his wife. <laughs> Yo, Michelle, you know, at oh. dinner parties, when people say, remember when we used to have dinner parties, first of all, because COVID. Yeah, like, no kidding. I miss those. <laughs> but whenever I did go to dinner parties, you, you know, people would say, you know, if you had three people you could invite, you know, to an island or to dinner, who would it be? Michelle Obama is always one of my people. Always. Always. Yeah. yeah. My other one is Pink, the musician Pink. Oh, yeah. I love good. her. I love her. I love her, too. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, this has been really incredible. I did not know about insurance covering bras. I didn't know about pockets and bras for, you know, prosthetics. And um, it's I know that women deserve this beauty and this comfort um, after such a intense, traumatic experience. Um, how are women finding out about your products? Because, you know, I, there's one woman, at least I know on my Facebook, she just finished her breast cancer, you know, and it's like, I wonder if she knows and like, is a lot of your sales like through referrals like that or? Yeah. So we sort of, um, I feel like there's a really untapped opportunity to work directly with the medical channels. Mm -hmm. So we, establish relationships with cancer centers and oncologists and surgeons. And that's a very, you know, that takes time, but, um, but that's been a really rewarding avenue for us to pursue. We also do have a pretty large social media presence mm. on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a, a community called Beauty of Change, which is all, which is our mantra or our tagline. Um, but Beauty of Change is open to anyone who identifies as a female and, who has been through any type of change, but many of us have had some sort of illness or surgery that we're recovering from. Although that said, it's never been more relevant since COVID. And it seems we're getting more and more people asking to be part of this group because we're being faced with such significant changes right now. Um, so yeah, so we do email marketing, we have a blog, we have an online presence, we work with doctors, you know, a lot of word of mouth, a lot of friend referrals. We even have a referral program where people can get cash back if they refer their friends. So we just try and make it easy to learn about us. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to bring that up about the community part, because something that we're learning and um, becoming thought leaders in the femtech industry, we are learning that building a community is one of the most important parts for femtech companies to be successful. It's not just about, you know, shoving sales down women's throats. It's about building a personal relationship between a brand and the consumer, right? And so uh, yep. one way to do that is through community. Was that part of your initial, you know, project? Or is that something you grew over time? Or, or tell us about like women's activity in that community. Yeah, it actually, the community came before the product. Mm. Uh, I really wanted Part of it was me as in my marketing mind, kind of testing whether or not, whether or not there was a big enough market. But I also just wanted to, I think because I had such a strong experience with my own local support group and it always felt like we felt so supported and so nurtured and so empowered and so heard and understood. And I thought that's what this brand needs to really encompass. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I think that's what's so special about the femtech industry is that we're addressing things that, you know, maybe we would talk about with our girlfriends, but that haven't really been spoken about in the public yep. up until really recently. Right. And so why not? Why not come together as a community and lift each other up and support each other? And I mean that as individuals and also as business owners. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's what's so, so special about the femtech yeah. industry. Yeah. Well, and you know, you mentioned like, there, there are a few other companies that may be selling bras for post mastectomy or, you know, after breast cancer. But, you know, when I think about how many ice cream shops there are, ice cream brands, I'm like, there's lots of them. Like, we shouldn't limit femtech to be like, well, one person's done it. And so therefore, you know, it's like, no, women deserve options. They deserve variety, you know, and they deserve the Ben and Jerry's versus the Kroger store version versus, you know, all of the things, you know? Yeah. I mean, just even looking at the mainstream lingerie space, I mean, there are Mm. so many players out there and just because one buys from one brand doesn't mean they don't also buy from another. That's and right. That's I just right. I think there's plenty of space for us all to support each other and for us all to most importantly provide for women what, what they really want That's and right. need. Can yeah. you tell us about the journal on your website? What is the journal? So that's our blog and um, we take great pride in that. It started like I said, before the, before the product came, we had, we started our social media and we started our journal series and we have several kind of categories, if you will. Mm. Um, the first is a, a series called in her words where we, it's a Q and a, and we ask, we, we talk to individual women about their journeys with breast cancer and other types of cancer. We're sort of expanding out, but it's a way for women to share their stories to, help others who might be in a similar place in their journey, as well as to sort of share it and kind of, it's almost cathartic for them mm. to, to, to be able to express themselves in that way. We also have another series called Everviolet Chats, and that's where we try and profile people who are really making an impact in the breast cancer space. So that could be anyone from business owner to a physician. That's a really fun one. And then we put out weekly content um, we kind of refer to it as body, mind, and spirit. So trying to cover all categories of mm-hmm. what we as females go through, yeah. everything from fitness to nutrition to meditation, um, hormonal changes, all things female is sort of how we see it. Yeah. So we get quite, quite a lot of good feedback from that. And uh, we, it's a really important part of what we do. Definitely. I mean, that goes right into that community building. The consumer yeah. in femtech wants to know that the person they're the company they're buying from truly understands what they're going through and they understand the way they know the company understands is through this community right oh all these other people are here that are like me okay and they trust this brand i trust this brand then and then also that content that content that's informative you know you just listed a bunch of topics you talk about and it wasn't all about bras (laughs) It was about spirit and, you know, emotion. And so women feel like the female consumer sees that content and is like, wow, they, they're also providing me with other insights. I know I need right now. And so that you're, you're hitting all the spots that a femtech company (laughs) needs to be successful. That's fantastic. Thank you. I mean, we, 
we really try and be holistic and integral in everything we're doing. I mean, all the models on our site, none of them are professionals. Mm-hmm. They're all survivors of cancer. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, and, and all the people we interview, we all become family to one another. So it's a really special part of, it's probably the most special part is getting to meet such phenomenal people and, you know, it, it, it just keeps expanding. It's so great. Mm, my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you a few questions that our listeners love. So, okay. you know, we have a lot of aspiring Femtech founders um, listening to this podcast. If they wanted to start a startup in Femtech, what are areas in women's health and wellness that still need innovating? Wow. Um, let's see. Well, I, I would say in the health and wellness space, I think sort of like I was saying earlier, there's just so many things, so many topics that we might speak with our girlfriends about, but that aren't really being addressed in the marketplace. Um, and I think there are some businesses that are starting to puff up around these areas, but, but sexual health, fertility, um, I think there's a huge opportunity around hormonal life, menopause, um, mental health, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many, whether they're services or products, I think there's so much that one can provide that can enhance one's quality of life in the femtech space. Um, so I can imagine there being a lot of novel products and services to address these and also to address them in a way that's authentic and transparent mm-hmm. and, and empowered. You know, I think that's really where we're getting to now is that maybe in part thanks to the Me Too movement, you know, mm-hmm. we, we really feel even more empowered to say, hey, this is this is what I'm going through. Or this is what it's like to be a woman balancing these 15 things. And this is what I need as in, in support of that. So I think there's a lot there, but I do think that empowerment and transparency are going to be key. No Absolutely. And so even what I hear is like, maybe there are solutions out there for some of these things like fertility, but there is a revolution of if you're not transparent and authentic, you may not survive. Women may not start continue to give you their money, right? Because as new yeah. companies come up, they're going to pick the ones that are authentic and vulnerable and build community and support their consumers in a more personalized way. Hmm. I agree. And I think it's even more so since COVID. I think mm. that there's um, you know, we're all going through this crazy experience. And even though that's not necessarily femtech per se, I think there's an even greater need to be real and vulnerable and honest and present for each other. And, you know, just insensitivities around advertising and marketing, yeah. they're just not being tolerated anymore. No. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of it. So I think yes. it's a good change and it's silver lining. Yeah, <laughs> no, Totally. Yeah. Speaking of like being vulnerable, I definitely posted on Facebook last night. Like I really need a hug. I was like fantasizing about having a hug because I live alone and I'm like, no, for real, y'all. I literally just spent two minutes in my head thinking about getting a hug. (laughs) It's so true. I mean, the lack of affection and touch that we're missing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And then everyone sent me GIFs. My mom, I think, sent five GIFs. She's learned how to use GIFs. So five hug <laughs> GIFs. So <laughs> I was like, thank Aww. you. <laughs> and the new emoji. <laughs> yep, yep. All the emojis, the GIFs. Um, That's so sweet. And then what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Hmm. Well, 
I think a few things. I mean, I think, I think it needs more awareness and education and like every other industry, I think it needs, I think it needs funding. Um, you know, I, I think femtech needs the chance to rise up and be successful the way other industries have. And so, you know, we all know that, or most of us know that women control the majority of spending in the mm-hmm. household. And yet most women don't feel as though advertisers really understand her. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like there's a real opportunity to reach out and support femtech through resources. And like I said before, authenticity, authenticity and networking, community engagement, you know, whether it be founders supporting founders mm. or investors supporting other mm. founders or nonprofits. Um, I mean, that's why I love what you're doing. I think, I think what you're doing is amazing and it's, it's just what we need. So. Thank you. It is so fun. It is absolutely my pleasure. And I love what you said about um, women don't feel like advertisers get them. And I, I kind of laughed on the recording here because all I could think about was the blue blood for tampon commercials or pads. You know, I was like, yep, advertisers don't get us. We don't bleed blue. <laughs> you know, <laughs> talk yeah. about like missing the mark. You know, if you really want to talk to us, please don't not yeah. show, figure out, you know, speak to what we're really experiencing. Um, and actually, I'm actually putting you on the spot here. What do you think about improving the femtech industry via the government? I was so interested in that, you know, women's health um, and career or what is it? U.S. Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act. It's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. 1998, getting this, this reimbursement yeah. for bras for the rest of your life. What do you think yeah. about like there needing to be more pressure on the government to fund and support and reimburse for women's health specifically? Oh, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think that, I think that, I mean, it's hard for me to know if men are getting everything that they need Mm -hmm. either, but I can certainly speak for women and so many people, so many of my dear friends and colleagues are, you know, working moms or stay at home moms juggling, you know, managing households. Now they're doing homeschooling. Yes. Um, so it's not even just physical health, but I think it's mental health and emotional well-being. And, and you know, we, we, my friends and I always try to encourage each other to do self-care, but I feel like that's much more of a private uh, type of support. I don't feel like the government or the population <laughs> at large is like, oh, you should go take a bath today. Or, you know, I don't know. It's, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity yeah. for, to get involved in health, for the government to get involved in health on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, insurance being <laughs> a key one and obviously a key issue right now. So no, definitely. Because um, I actually recently spoke on a panel about the gender bias in research. And I had a, you know, I researched it up looking up some facts. And you, did you know that uh, women, it was illegal for women to be involved in clinical trials until 1994. And so every drug that came to market before 1994 was never even tried on women. Um, Women just in the wild had to try it (laughs) for the first time. And women's biology is not men. News alert, everyone. Women are not men. (laughs) Most times, you know. (laughs) Well, and I wonder if that, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But, you know, there's a lot of cancers out there, illnesses out there that uh, have been sort of 
endocrine, endocrine disruptor, you know, related to hormone levels. And if we haven't tested these drugs against female systems with different types of yes. hormones, who knows what sorts of disruption could yes. be taking place. So it's really, uh, it's, it's a real issue. And I did know that. And I, you know, I, everybody that really works to support, we, we work with a lot of nonprofits and try and whether we, we, pro- we share profits with them or we just uh, hold events or now virtual events with them. Mm-hmm. But we're really trying to help support the organizations that are looking at the science and that are testing women and yeah. doing clinical trials in women. And it's so important. Yeah. Well, if any listener is a poli-sci major, you're studying politics, international relations, Femtech needs you. Femtech needs you to be sitting at that table, voting on the bills, voting on the new regulations for NIH and FDA on how do we make sure women's health is being considered and it's being funded and it's being fought for. Um, I know nothing about that. All I know is how to register to vote and cast my vote because that's very important. I, but I don't know how to lobby, right? But I'm, I hope there are listeners that that is your career aspiration is to be in Washington, D.C. lobbying. Please lobby for women's health. <laughs> we yes, need please, it. Please, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, Kira, this has been so much fun. I um, am so glad that we crossed paths and really, really impressed with what you're doing for women. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've had the best time. Thank you for listening to my interview with Kira Kotler, founder and CEO of Everviolet. What an inspiring story to hear her triumph over her cancer and how that fueled her into a journey of entrepreneurship. I love on this show how we talk about research and treatment for illnesses that affect women, but we also talk about the quality of life for women after their illness, which is so important and so often forgotten. And, um, you know, it takes people like Kira to unfortunately have lived through it to take that passion and that pain and turn it around into a solution for women. So thank you, Kira, for what you do. Um, Your clothing is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Y'all should check it out. Go to everviolet.com to uh, look at her beautiful, innovative lingerie. Thanks, Kira. Now remember, the Guild Academy Femtech Edition applications close this Friday. You just spent another 30 minutes of your life. Maybe you were doing your application while listening. I'm not sure, but you got to get your application in. If you have an idea or a femtech company, you have to apply. I am so excited to work with all the founders of that program. Applications close this Friday. Thank you all for being avid listeners. We're now in over 45 countries. Y'all are amazing. Show us some love on social at Femtech Focus. Subscribe to our newsletter. Go to our website, femtechfocus.org. Put your email in and uh, get the the latest. There's lots of stuff going on, y'all. And I I don't have enough time to tell you about it. So you got to get on the newsletter. All right. Until next time, keep innovating. Because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.